But uh, thinking about last week and why we need the Son of God, it was only fitting that I actually would like to teach this again to all of you this year. It's just really been in my heart. Uh, we have a real vacuum for good, strong leadership in this world today, amen. We don't have a lot of examples that we can live up to or role models. How many of you understand what I'm saying? It's Nobody's perfect, but you know, you just don't have the role models today that you had yesterday. So I want to share with you this, this teaching, Yom Teruah and the coronation of the Messiah. You know, uh, I've been watching quite a few documentaries on the monarchy, and I watch some uh, uh, programs dealing with um, Queen Elizabeth. Um, I've been watching things um, along those lines, the monarchy and stuff like that. And just something in my spirit about, as Americans, we don't understand the monarchy. You know, we are part of the Commonwealth of Israel. It talks about this uh, in Ephesians chapter 2. But the thing is that within this kingdom, there's a king. Amen? It's Yeshua. He's the king. And uh, we can say, well, he's my Lord. He's Lord. But is he Lord of your heart? And I think that's the real battle for all of us is that we have an idea of God or, or this or that. But we just can't quite uh, come to the place of respect. Amen? Especially if you go back and look at the Edwardian uh, time period, Edwardian um, time of, of Britain and everything, dealing with uh, proper manners and being a gentleman and all these things. I think we've lost that. But in this particular teaching, I want to bring some things to light for you because there's such a vacuum, like I said, for leadership. And this is something that we all have to look forward to. You know, if you actually go and look at the book of Judges, you'll notice that you start with Othniel, and then, of course, you work your way down until you end up with, of course, Samson, who was a womanizer. So you'll see the, 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 you'll see the fall of leadership. It's not as strong, amen? And I don't have time to go into it right now, but you'll notice that even when the uh, religious system is bad or the organization is bad throughout biblical history, even in uh, times of old, you'll notice that then there's a change coming, a judgment to bring it to a righteousness place, a righteous place, amen? So let's look at this in Leviticus Chapter 23, 24. Let's read this together. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. Okay, so once again, if you think about the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, Yeshua is the root. Okay? And so if, if, if he fulfilled the spring feast, he'll fulfill the fall feast. So uh, September 20th. In the evening is Yom Teruah. If you look at your Hallmark calendar, they call it Rosh Hashanah, head of the year, okay? It's not a Jewish holiday. It's the Lord's Day, okay? It's the Lord's Day. And uh, it is the most mysterious of all of the feast days, you know? And how many of you, there's a lot of references to trumpets in the Bible, amen? And some are even saying that Donald Trump is the last Trump. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not making this stuff up. So we have, of course, seven trumpets of Revelation, and you're, we're going to be talking more about trumpets. It's kind of interesting, Micah's playing the trumpet at his school. So I thought, how appropriate, my little bugle boy. So let's look at this verse, Leviticus 23, 24, and then, uh, of course, you'll see that's, uh, I believe, Josiah and James uh, blowing the shofar. But this is an interesting... Uh, feast day, because look what's underlined. Notice it says memorial 
and trumpets. Does that stand out? What's 9-11? Oh, it's a memorial. It's also the number to call when there's an emergency. 9-1-1. So a memorial of blowing of trumpets. Let's look at this. Let's look at the definition of this. A memorial of blowing of trumpets. That's what this is, okay? It's zikron. That's the, that's the Hebrew word, zikron. It means a memento or memorable thing, day or writing. A memento or memorable thing, day or writing. Once again, the word memorial or to, or a record. It's a record. It's a record. Okay? So what we have to ask ourselves is, is the two questions. What is the memorial? What are we to be reminded of? Isn't that a good question? So I'm going to put together some things for you in here that we can go into detail later, but just to get you thinking, amen? Because really at the end of the day, I want Yeshua to be my king. I'm his servant, I'm his subject, and, and I just want to do what the king wants because I'm in his commonwealth, okay? Now, do I pride myself on being an American citizen and, 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 and have the, uh, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights? Absolutely, but we're going to go higher than that in the Torah, Okay? We're in the commonwealth of Israel. The standard's much higher now for us. Much, much higher. Amen? So what is the memorial and what are we to be reminded of? Two good questions. Okay? The law of first mention. The first time that the shofar was blown can be found in Exodus 19.16. Okay? I know a lot of this is is redundant. It's like a review for you, but I, I want to go back over this because it's my job as the, the rabbi, the spiritual leader, the, the head of this house to bring you up to par in what's happening, what's going on, what's required of you, amen, to get you thinking about the coronation instead of a hurricane going counterclockwise. The first time that the shofar was blown can be found in Exodus 19.16. Let's read that together. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Have you guys noticed, because I've lived in Florida pretty much all my life. I'm, I'm originally a Buckeye from Ohio, go Ohio State. But have you noticed the thunder is almost like a voice in Florida? Have, have, am I the only one that feels that? It's like a rumbling, like the Lord is trying to speak, you know. We, we used to hear all these things when we were a kid, you know. The kids would be all scared about the, the thunder, and your dad or mom would say, or your cousins or relatives, oh, you know, God's bowling. I don't think he's bowling. I like this one. Oh, God's moving furniture around. He's, moving, he's up in heaven, moving the ark, moving stuff around. I'm like, But this like rumbling. And you know, imagine what it would have been like at Mount Sinai. And, and listen to me, okay? There's always darkness before the light. Remember, there were six hours of darkness when Yeshua was on the cross. Amen? And so when we see the darkness of the storm, we see the winds, we see this, the light is coming. Amen? A light is coming. And then what happens? Glorious things happen. 
Notice a thick cloud upon the mount. A thick cloud upon the mount. Imagine that. It's just like a storm. Do you see that? It doesn't say the sun was shining, the birds were chirping. No, something was going down. Something was going down. And it got their attention. Now, let's, let's ask this question. Are you ready? Can the feast day of Yom Teruah be a reminder of the marriage covenant that was made at Mount Sinai by the blowing of trumpets? <clears throat> Imagine that. Is the memorial when he blew the trumpets at Mount Sinai? So when did he blow the trumpet at Mount Sinai? But Shavuot. So what happens from the time of Shavuot to Yom Teruah? We go astray. We've celebrated the spring feast. We've counted the Omer. Now we go into the summer, right? Right? And now where do we want to go? We want to hit the beaches. Where's the storm coming? The beaches. We kind of fall away. You know, we, that's what I was sharing with my pastor friends and I, I would share with anybody is I love the Hebrews of the Christian faith, because when you celebrate God's calendar, he keeps you in check. He keeps you at the right place at the right time. He keeps you focused on what's at hand. So like today's the Shabbat, and we're just not that far away from Yom Teruah. Amen? We should be anticipating, getting ready. And there's going to be the celestial sign of like Revelation 12 up in the heavens on September 23rd. A lot of you have probably tuned into that, you know, in, in regard to the rapture and tribulation and September 23rd and all this crazy stuff. But actually, that would fall into the 10 days of all because the 20th is Yom Teruah. 10 days later, we're going to be celebrating Yom Kippur. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Everything's leading up to something. So I would like to submit to you that I believe that it is. Now, the feast day of Yom Teruah is also a celebration of the new moon because it falls in the seventh month on the first day. It's interesting Chuck has uh, put out his usher calendar and he has new moon on that last Sunday of the month. And that's normally what we do. How many of you understand what I'm saying? And, and people have put it on their calendars and, oh, it's the last Sunday of the month. But remember, it's not this time. It's going to be on September 20th in the seventh month on the first day. September 20th will be a civil new year in the Hebrew calendar, okay? And what is the, what is the year now? It's 5777. It's going to be 5778. Basically, what they're saying is that 5,778 years ago, the earth was created, Adam and Eve and all of that. And I don't want to get into old earth, new earth, or, or that. But the bottom line is that, that uh, that's where they get that date. So it's a civil calendar. The biblical new year starts at, at Pesach, or the season of Passover. It's called Nisan 1. In, in the first day of the month will be a biblical new year. Then on the 14th of, of Nisan, one is, of course, uh, Pesach or Passover. But once again, as you look at the names of the months like Elul and Tammuz and all that, those names were given to the Hebrew months during the Babylonian captivity. It's usually in the Bible it talks about the first month, the second month, the third month. You will not find the references to those names of the months in the Bible, just so you understand. So let's look at it. So once again, this year, the feast day of Yom Teruah, will be celebrated on September the 20th, beginning in the evening and concluding in the evening on September 21st, okay? It's a one-day event. It's very mysterious. No man knows the day of the hour. Do you understand what I'm saying? No man knows the day of the hour. So 
we're supposed to blow shofars on this day. So we should definitely be bringing our shofars. Now, here's a, here's a good question. If Yeshua fulfilled the spring feasts, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost, will he fulfill the fall feasts? Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and Tabernacles. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're coming in at the end of the year, folks. This is what I'm saying. This is the big enchilada. This is the big enchilada. I mean, this is the big kahuna. I mean, this is it. Because you're at the end of the harvest, and you're going to start a new year, right? And it even talks about this in Exodus 23 and Deuteronomy 16 about the three national feast days. Now, I want you to think about this. A new moon is when the first sliver of light hits the moon. How many understand what I'm saying? How many of you know that the moon does not give off its own light? So the moon is a picture of us, okay? And, and, and we get that first sliver of light. We're like, oh, yeah. And then it gets brighter and brighter till what? There's a full moon. Now, at Pesach, we celebrate Pesach. And is it a new moon when we're celebrating it? No, it's a full moon. The moon is fully lit up like an awesome nightlight. So we are fully redeemed on this day. Fully redeemed, fully, not partially, wholly redeemed. Now we go from there and we move on through the feast days and we get into the Shavuot, we get into the summer months, and then what happens? We get a little dim. We turn into a little dirty old nightlight. And what happens when that first sliver of light hits the moon in the seventh month of the first day? It begins to what? It begins to get brighter and brighter. Till what? Till on the first day of tabernacles, it's full. Come on, somebody. The moon is full of light. So what I want to submit to you is that we got to get up off our duffs and we got to celebrate God. We're fully redeemed, but it's, people are falling away and this is happening. And it's like, what are you doing? The best is yet to come. You're going to be fully gathered and restored. So we can't do this with all non-Jews. We need Judah. We need the Jewish people to join forces with them, to join with them so that the moon can be full in our life and we are fully restored and fully regathered. That's the message, folks. But people aren't buying it. They're not getting into it. They're not, there's no buying. They're like, ah, yeah. I, I don't know of a better plan than that. He's already given you the signs in the heavens for what he's going to do. And we make up all these excuses not to be gathered or not to be with other people. It's not like that. God wants to bring us together. He didn't make one tribe. He had 12 tribes, and there was four mothers and one father. That's a mixed family. Are there any mixed families in the house? Listen, Yeshua fulfills the feasts, and we get to participate in them. So in hindsight, we can look back on troubles. We can look back on some things, and we can put the pieces together to propel us to the future, okay? Listen, the culture, social media, the internet, I'm telling you, television, all this stuff, it's brainwashing you. It's filling your mind with stuff that shouldn't be in there. You have to wean yourself off this stuff and just do it in bites, okay? Watch a little bit of the news. Watch this. But, but if you saturate yourself in that stuff, you will literally be brainwashed and it will start to change your thinking. So I try to wean myself off that stuff and immerse myself in the teachings, in the, in the season that we're in, in what's happening, the Aleph Beta videos, 
Atlanta Visceral Network podcast. I'm in the Word. We're praying. We're, we're worshiping. See, it keeps all that stuff at bay. And it allows me to focus on the priority of what the Father wants through me to know the season. It's like smoke and mirrors, you know. It's like when Dorothy pulled the curtain back. It's you. You know, that's what happens when we have all these circumstances around us. We pull back the curtain and go, oh, come on. Listen, if you really go into the New Testament, he told you that all this stuff would be happening around you. But the goal is to come out without corruption. Don't let that system, don't let the internet corrupt you. Don't let the culture corrupt you. It's there, it's real. I used to point things out in the culture. It's too easy now. It's sexual immorality and the occult. That's all it is. There's your newsflash, folks. I'd like to present to you sexual immorality over here. Door number one, door number two is, is the occult. I mean, that's what everything is. And it shouldn't captivate you. You should be turned off, not turned on. Because it's trying to draw you. It's trying to suck your soul, amen? And, and, and I'm not going to get into what you watch and what you don't watch, but be careful. You know, don't lose your soul over entertainment. I remember trying so hard to do the feast and this and that, and that's why I would make this statement in my notes. Yeshua fulfills the feast, and we get to participate in them. I was trying so hard to do the feast, and I got chastised by the Lord. He's like, you don't fulfill anything. What are you doing? You don't fulfill anything. You're just participating. You're just rehearsing what I'm going to do. And it took a big burden off of me, a big burden. Look at Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. How many of you know that if something is casting a shadow, there's a real thing there? If there's a shadow, there's a real thing that's giving that shadow. So think about what Paul was doing as he was traveling and doing the things that he was doing. You know, I don't know if you guys even think about this or not, but he did an incredible gospel message <laughs> from Jerusalem. Did he not travel and set up churches and just, he was hitting it, wasn't he? But then what happened? Wasn't there a great move and the gospel went out, didn't it? And it started to move. And, and matter of fact, the History Channel had this special that I thought was very interesting, uh, that, that Jesus was the only other God that could usurp Zeus. Zeus was the most powerful God before Yeshua. Yeshua comes on the scene, boom, he usurps Zeus as the greatest God ever. Amen? Now, we still have Greek mythology and everything, but I'm saying that it's true. Millions of, 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 of believers in Yeshua, more than Zeus, usurped him, threw him right off the throne. So Paul was going in, and Paul was teaching the Hebrews of the Christian faith. Okay? And he had situations he had to deal with, but he was teaching the Hebrews of the Christian faith. He was teaching Torah. He, it's funny, as you study Christian commentary, because Paul would do these things, the commentary in Christian commentary would say that, well, Paul was doing all these things because he wanted to, to please the Jewish people, and, and he was Jewish, and the tribe of Benjamin, Benjamin and this and that. But he, you know, for us Christians, we don't have to do this stuff. But he's writing it in letters to do it. He himself was doing it. Amen? So when you start doing these things, what happens? People judge you. He says, don't let them judge you. Does it say holy day? Does it say new moon? 
Does it say Sabbath days? Don't let people judge you because you want to do these things. Listen, I have confronted my Christian friends, clergy. I told them, point blank. I said, listen, when Yeshua comes back, we're all doing the feasts. I mean, you can hear crickets, right? Because we can't respond to that. And I said, so we're going to do it now. We're rehearsing what he's going to do when he comes back. Crickets. But I'm, I'm, I'm very, very dogmatic about that. It's just the way it is. All of the feasts found in Leviticus 23 are agricultural, redemptive, and prophetic in nature. Are you part of the harvest? Are you? Amen? What is he going to gather his wheat in? He's going to gather the wheat in the barn. What if you've got wheat stalks running off? I'm telling you, the, the apostasy is so bad today in the world. Even in George Barnum's report, less people go to church now than ever before. They're against organized religion. They're against communities. They just want to do their own thing, have their belief system come and go, no accountability. And guess what? It doesn't work. We're the body of Christ. Many members, one body. Amen? So all of the feasts found in Leviticus 23 are agricultural, redemptive, and prophetic in nature. Let's look at this Hamalek. We're going to learn a little bit of Hebrew today. Amen? Some, some cool words. You can mess with people. Hey, you know Hamalek? One of the concepts in Jewish liturgy and tradition for Yom Teruah is Hamalek which means the king. Amen? The king. Hamalech. The king. The king. So looking at the scriptures concerning Yom Teruah, it becomes obvious that it is the coronation of the Messiah. Woo! I want tickets for that. Oh, have you ever heard of all these events throughout the world? And you're just saying, I wish I could go to that. I wish I could see that. You're going to see some incredible scriptures about this. Amen? Even they're celebrating, I guess, the anniversary of uh, Princess Diana. Are they not? Isn't the royalty a big deal to a lot of people? We shouldn't snub that off. I mean, I'm not saying we worship monarchy. I'm just saying that we should understand the monarchy and have respect for it. Ask Mrs. Campbell. From ancient times, Jewish scholars have always associated this day with the beginning of the messianic kingdom, hence a messianic king. How about that? From ancient times, Jewish scholars have always associated this day with the beginning of the messianic kingdom, hence a messianic king. Let's look at Genesis 49.10. Let's read it together. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Shiloh is another reference to the Messiah. And isn't that where the tabernacle stood for almost 400 years? Go down and just pick up pottery. I've been to Shiloh twice, or Shiloh. Shiloh. You say Shiloh, I say Shiloh. Shiloh. Now, now listen to me. Think about where we're at prophetically, culturally. Think about where we're at. Notice this says, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. The number one reason why I'm here is to worship Yeshua. Everything else comes with it. Does everybody understand that? That's why in order to get out the spirit of Antichrist, I'll say Yeshua is Yahweh, Yahweh is Yeshua. Can you all say that? 
Yeshua is Yahweh. Yahweh is Yeshua. Because if you have the spirit of Antichrist, you'll either be quiet, go into a fetal position, or you'll run out of here. But we have, to, we have to keep that going because it's all about a person. I'll never forget when I confessed with my mouth and believed in my heart, Jesus. Okay? I cried out to the Son of God. I'll never forget it. I cried out to a man. I didn't say God. I didn't say, well, you Lord, I'm Catholic, but I need something more. You know, I mean, I cried out to the Son of God, to a person. So I, I can't really go astray too far from him because I danced with the one who brought me. Amen? So what is Yeshua going to do for me? Everything. He's given me my wife, my kids, this church. He's given me opportunities for the, with the church, with, with the synagogue, with the orthodoxy. It's Yeshua. The person has done this for me. It's not my own merit. I can't open doors. He opens doors that no man can open because you want to do it right. Think about it. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. So who has the scepter? Judah's got the scepter, right? In Jeremiah 31, you'll see that Ephraim has the birthright. This is where the fight is. This is where the rivalry is, sibling rivalry. Ephraim has the birthright. Judah has the scepter, but they have to come together. The birthright and the scepter have to come together. That's when you're going to see the glory of God. What's the birthright mean? It means the responsibility that you have to come out of the nations and come back to him because you don't have the scepter. Oh, come on now. This, this is going down right now. People with the birthright are coming to their senses. And they're wanting to join and, and, and come to the scepter. Pretty cool, isn't it? Look at Numbers 24, 17 in regard to Balaam, the prophet for prophet. Let's read this. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. Do you see that? What's going to come out of Jacob? A star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Balaam couldn't curse Israel. What did he do? He showed Balak how to get the men of Israel to fail through sexual immorality. Send in the beautiful girls. That's bad leadership when you would forfeit your own daughter to cause somebody else to, to falter or fail. And notice what the scepter is going to do. Smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. Keep all this in mind. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. So this is what we're going to see because we're going to go into Daniel and you're going to see some really cool stuff in regards to Yeshua, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, shutting down the Antichrist. Amen? So when you see the scepter, notice that judgment's coming. Go back and look at what happened at the time of... Uh, uh, the priesthood of Eli and his sons, remember? Remember? Before he went from the judges to the kings, remember that? It was corrupt, it was bad. Eli fell off, broke his neck and died. Sons killed in battle. Woman gives birth, she dies. Ichabod, God's glory is gone, it has departed. And they went into this transition of the, of the kings then. Remember Yeshua, right? He came, the priesthood was corrupt. Temple was corrupt. It was corrupt. Amen. Everything. And John the Baptist had to preach out in the wilderness just to hear the message. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? We're seeing the same thing today, the corruption overall in the church, in the government. 
we're seeing a corruption. It's not all bad. I'm just saying that it's pretty bad. So what has to happen? There's got to be a transition. You're the transition. This is what's happening. And people have misquoted me or, or maybe misinterpreted me, but I'm not saying we're leaving the Hebrews to the Christian faith. What I'm saying is that from that movement, we're pulling out of it so that God can have his way with us. I don't want to be stuck with where they're at and what they're doing. I've already wept for my sins of bashing the church and, and talking about ministers and ministries. It's a bad habit. It's bad, bad, bad stuff. We have no right to do that. Let's talk about what we're for, not what we're against. Amen? Let's get persecuted for righteousness' sake. Let them come after us because of our obedience, not because we've put down our fellow man. You notice when you, when you push somebody down, you know you go down with them. This is a picture I got in my mind. John C. Maxwell talks about this. He brings the guy up and talks about don't put others down. He's, he's like taking the guy and pushing him down. And what happens? You go down with them. You want your brother and sister to succeed. You want each other to succeed and help. Amen? Come on, somebody. This is good stuff. Listen, if, if, if anybody doesn't know anything about the monarchy, it's me. I, I mean, I didn't grow up in that. I don't know that. You know, I, I mean, Paul's got a better understanding of the monarchy from Jamaica, right? You got some understanding of the monarchy and stuff, I'm sure, more than I do. I mean, I'm just saying. We're just flipping, you know, and... We, you know, think about it. You can't just come into his throne room, just flippantly just come in there. It says boldly come to the throne of grace, but you better have chutzpah. You better have your ducks in a row. You better have your VIP backstage pass. Now listen to me. Anytime there's a mention of a king or a kingdom, a throne or a coronation or any of these things, it means it's on the verge of happening. Something's getting ready to change. If you look at Numbers 24, 17, they're getting ready to go into the promised land, everybody. And he's talking about seeing the king. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. There's a transition getting ready to, to happen. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Amen? Look at Jeremiah 23, 5. Let's read it together. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In Deuteronomy, we were reading about he would allow kings to come into Israel. Did he not? But if you have a king, these are the requirements. Don't have a lot of horses, right? Right? No Kentucky Derby? He's got to write the Torah and have a copy for himself. Amen? I was just thinking, listening to the Land of Israel Network podcast, you know, uh, and I would like to have a conversation with them in, in this regard, you know, it's too bad that the Knesset could not use the Torah to run their government. Why not? Isn't that just mixed up? Isn't that just like reversed? Like the government doesn't follow the Torah, but the people do? No, really, think about this, guys. This is great. This is ludicrous. And, and listen, I respect Prime Minister Netanyahu and the government of Israel. And stuff. I'm just saying that think about some of the things that their government's doing, Israel's government's doing, in regard to settlements and homes and kicking people out of their homes and bulldozing it because of a little bit of a controversy or something. I mean, the Jews can't live in their own homeland? Are you kidding me? Do you see the fight? 
What's the fight over? Land. It's the last missing piece. The enemy doesn't want the Jews to have free roaming range because they're going to start coming back, which is what's happening. Something's going to give this next year, I'm telling you right now. Something's going to give in the land of Israel in regard to, to Jewish homes and settlements, I'm telling you. It's going to, something's going to bust open. It's, it's going to happen. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33. Oh, we're in the New Testament now. Do you like that? Luke shows that Yeshua is what? He's a man. He shall be great. Let's read it. And shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Listen. If you get out the social media, get out the internet, get out the television, and concentrate on these verses, put them in order, let Scripture interpret Scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, and chew on it and look at it. Because remember last week, I felt led to share with you why we need the Son of God. So if you look at this verse, it's only, it's only appropriate that he's got to be the Son of God first before he can be your king. Notice it says here, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. There's the Son of God. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob. It's okay because you're going to have a fight with your flesh. The flesh is like his entity. That's why Paul said, crucify it daily. But I want him to be my king. I want Beit Tehillah to be in the commonwealth of Israel. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're in the commonwealth of Israel, you have to do it according to the monarchy. The commonwealth of Israel, there's requirements that are de determined for us that we need to do. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? It's not going to hurt you. It's going to help you. Now, both his lineage and his fulfillment of messianic prophecies caused people to recognize him as king. So when he came the first time, people did recognize him as, he's the king. He's the king. He's the king. Because they knew the scriptures. The woman knew to grab his tzitzis. There would be healing in his wings. She knew that. I tell you this because you've got to get this in your heart. The, the name Israel, the word Israel, is found 2,540 times. You've got to get into the prophets. You've got to get into the last days and what God is doing because this is the opportunity. The train is leaving the station, folks. There's not another one coming. This is not a move of God. Beit Tehillah is the move of God. It is the move of God. So both his lineage and his fulfillment of messianic prophecies caused people to recognize him as king. You know they were anticipating a king? Did you know that? Because why? On the fourth day, what? Light was created. They knew after 4,000 years the Messiah would come based upon the story of creation in the fourth day. Go back and read Genesis. On the fourth day, what was created? What happened? What took place? There was this anticipation. I'm telling, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm telling you right now. The same mistake that was made by the people the first time Yeshua came, we're making the same mistake. But you know what? Beit Tehillah, the way you're doing Hebrew roots, no, I don't believe that's the right way. We'll continue doing what you're doing. How's that working out for you? So because he didn't come and conquer Rome and become that king, right? Because he had to conquer sin first. Isn't that the same thing in our own life? We want to conquer so many things, yet we can't even conquer our own sin. We don't want to conquer unbelief, and I would have went over my pastor friends. I want to do this. And the Lord's like, why don't you get rid of your sins? 
I don't worry about none of you or my pastor friends or anybody and worry about them, what they're doing, what they think, because you know what? I got me to work on. I got to work on me. Then he shows me how to do things. So now it's like, okay, how are we going to see the restoration and the regathering of the whole house of Israel? Because that's our vision. It includes everybody. It's coming out of the nations. Amen? Listen, if you can't do Beit Tehillah, you can't do what's coming next. You've already disqualified yourself. I see these other organizations. groups. I don't, I don't like where they're going. I don't like where they're at. I'm sorry. You know, talk is cheap. We got to put boots on the ground. That's the big, isn't that the big thing now in war? You got to put boots on the ground. You got to put boots on the ground. No, no, no. No, you got to put boots on the ground. Look at John 1, 48 and 49. Let's look at Nathaniel. Let's read this. Nathaniel saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathaniel answered and said, saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Amen. Now, is that a deity verse? Could be. Is that a couple deity verses? Nathaniel saying, wait a minute, you saw me? And you're, then you're God. Because uh, I didn't see you. Right? So he's under the fig tree, right? And so, hey, you know, think about it. Yeshua knows what you're doing every day. Oh, I saw you watch that bad movie. I saw you do that to that person. I saw you do that. I saw you. And so Nathaniel's like, oh, and he's probably reading about the king or the Torah. He's reading about this. And, and, and basically what you should say, oh, oh, Nathaniel, you're reading about me, weren't you? How'd you know? See, that's the beauty of it. He even knew what he was reading. Remember Yeshua would enter the room and knew everybody's thoughts? That'll freak you out. Right? Man, what is he thinking? You know, you're just trying to blank your mind or whatever, you know, hum or meditate or do something, you know. But, but that's kind of freaky. He'd walk into a room. He knew everybody's thoughts, knew their motives, knew what was going on. Because I'm telling you right now, God will not promote you until you humble yourself. Because he can't use you. See, when we're critical of other ministers and ministries, you've already disqualified yourself. You'll never be in God's game plan. He can't use you for what he really wants. Like Beit Tehillah, we could build a strong community, raise the next generation. We could do very good here in Florida. I believe we could do pretty good. But don't you want more? Don't you really want what God wants for you? Don't you want to open up those doors and say, Yahweh, bring who you want to bring. Show us the way, Yahweh. Show us what you have for us. Be like a little kid in a candy store, you know? It's like when I tell my, my young children, hey, daddy's going to go to the store. You want to get a prize? You want to get a prize because, you know, they do something good or something? They never turn it down. That's how I feel with God. God, give me a prize. Give me a surprise. Give me a prize. I want my prize. I want my prize. I want my prize. Amen? Incredible things are happening. Look at the picture of the fig tree. Don't have time to get into it, but the parable of the fig tree is found in Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 through 35. How many of you are familiar with the parable of the fig tree? It's the only thing that you can eat, the seed and all. Amen? With the fig. How many of you like fig Newtons? Come on, somebody. Those are looking really good right now. My wife went to the store and bought some stuff for later, and I'm like, why do you do this to us? Fig Newtons are up on the cabinet. 
I'm like, did I hear something? <laughs> Those are fig newtons. Get thee behind me, fig newtons. Now, a lot of people say in regard to this parable of the fig tree, and I'm not discrediting it, but I'm going to throw what I believe it to be true, is that Torah is likened to figs because you can eat the seed and all. It's, I think it's likened to the Word of God. So when you see the Torah come on the scene, know that summer is near. Know that something's going down, okay? Because that's when the figs ripen, okay? So just think about that. Some people say the parable of the fig tree is about, it means it's a picture of Israel. Let's look at this prophecy in Zechariah 9.9. Let's read it together. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon a donkey and upon a colt, the foal of a donkey. Your king comes. Is that a prophecy? He would come in on a donkey. Why? He's humble. Hee-haw, hee-haw. You know, good to the donkey. Not like Balaam, right? He didn't beat his donkey. Why you want to hit me, man? No, he's riding the donkey, right? He's coming in. He's lowly. He's a king. He's secure in who he is. And they're saying, Hosanna! And they're waving the branches. Amen? Let's look at that picture. I love this picture because... Oh, I can't go to the picture until I do the fulfillment. I'm sorry. Thank you, slide minister. Now, there's a prophecy Okay, let's look at Luke 19, 37 and 38. Let's read it together. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. I don't have time to get into it, but there's some incredible things about prophecies being fulfilled. You see that little boy next to Yeshua? Does that look like me when I was little? I love that picture. If I could go back at any time, that's the time I would want to go back. Amen? I don't care if I want to be a disciple wannabe. I mean, I just want to be in the, the crowd or following or whatever. But that, I love that picture. When I looked at that, I said, that's me when I was little. I know I'm stretching it, folks. I'm sorry. Now, just a little side note. You can go back there later. In Zechariah 9, read the whole chapter. Because it goes on to talk about Ephraim and Judah. It talks about Ephraim being an arrow and Judah being a bow. Isn't that interesting? So I want to ask you guys a question. If, if Yeshua riding in on a donkey, lowly on a donkey, shows that he's this king coming in, and, and it actually says that this prophecy would take place, and we just read it in Luke, it was fulfilled, maybe we should read more of that chapter. Because that means Ephraim and Judah are going to come together. I know, I know, I, I, I just can't give it up. Let's look, let's look at this. Okay, in order to have a king, there must be a coronation. The Messiah, Yeshua, will have a literal crowning in the future at Yom Teruah. A lot of this research is from the Jewish sages. Amen. It comes from Judaism, but how many of you know they got a lot of good stuff? Oh, my goodness. Oh, a lot of good stuff. So let's put all the pieces together. Let's look at this chronologically. Let's get excited about this. So, so we can see in the book of Daniel the day of judgment, which is Yom Hadin, as the court is seated and the books are opened. 
the ancient of days, God is seated to judge all men. For the sake of time, we're going to do a Reader's Digest condensed version, but this is Daniel's first vision, Daniel 7, verses 1 through 14. I want to just break this down for you real quick. Daniel's first vision, Daniel 7, verses 1 through 14. We're going to see four great beasts in verse 3. Number one, the lion represents Babylon. That's in verse four. Number two, you have the bear, right? Represents Medo-Persian, the Persians in verse five. This is Daniel seven. Number three, you have the kingdom of, of Greece or the leopard in verse six. Does everybody see this? Number four, you have the Romans, which represent what? 10 horns, verse seven. And then a little horn, verse eight. So you'll notice that this fourth empire is Roman, and it, it has what? It's made of what? Iron. It's represented in the two legs in Daniel's vision. How many of you understand what I'm saying? This is just Daniel Prophecies 101, real simple, basic. Build a skeleton, then put the meat on it, okay? You have the east and the west empire of Rome, and the legs are the longest part of the body. That's why it had the longest running in the empire of the Romans. But notice that from this empire comes what? Ten horns, okay? And, and just for the sake of time, you don't have to go there, but check out the Antichrist. But none of us are going to know who the Antichrist is until there's ten leaders. He will usurp three of them, okay? Then you will know he's the one. We've had a lot of speculation, a lot of candidates, a lot of types and shadows of Antichrist, but, but not the Antichrist, but then, of course, we have what? In verse 8, a little horn. Do you see it? So as far as the book of Daniel goes, we're just waiting for the ten leaders. And then that Antichrist will usurp three of them. And it's take the Scriptures literally. Don't get goofy on me. That's how you'll know. We won't know until that happens. So you can't speculate because it's not, it's not worth it. Now let's look at Daniel Chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Now, listen to me. We took you through the empires, did we not? Babylon, Persians, Greeks, right? And Rome, right? Now we're getting into some good stuff. So now you've got this 10 horns. You've got this Antichrist coming. And here's Daniel 7, 9 and 10. Continuing on, let's read it. I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as a burning fire. Does anybody see that? Look at this. Thrones were cast down. One sitting on his throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as a burning fire. Wow. Let's keep reading. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. Everything in the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. I'm telling you. But we jump in that New Testament and we get kind of lost. But when you reflect on the Old Testament, you're going to see the New Testament come alive. So these are the ones that minister to him. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands. And they were doing what? They were ministering to him. Does it say it? Listen, everybody. 
you're a minister of the gospel. You're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. In every situation, every day you wake up, you are a minister. You might not be called pastor, but you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can minister to God by ministering to others. When people ask you, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You share it with open heart, with gladness. Amen? In verse 13 and 14, because look where we're at. The Son of Man, a term for Messiah, comes to the ancient of days and is given a kingdom, a coronation. Something comes to the ancient of days. So in verse 13 and 14, the Son of Man, a term for Messiah, comes to the ancient of days and is given a kingdom or a coronation. Let's read it. Verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Stop right there. Break it down. After all of these empires, this is what's going down. One like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. Do you see the clouds of heaven in Daniel? Do you see the clouds of heaven? What brings to mind? He will come in what? The clouds of heaven. He'll be in the clouds. That's, that's a sign of glory. Clouds are always representative of his glory. Verse 14. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. My favorite song of all time is Ancient of Days, bar none. Bar none. Ancient of Days is my favorite worship song of all time. And that's where they get this song from. Do you see where he's given a kingdom? He's given glory. It's handed to him. Does everybody see that? Isn't that cool? Now that's Daniel. Now, at the beginning of Revelation chapter 4, there is the sounding of the shofar indicating Yom Teruah. Again, the court of heaven with God the Father sitting on the throne until chapter 5 when the Messiah is given the kingdom. At the beginning of Revelation chapter 4, there is the sounding of the shofar indicating Yom Teruah. Again, the court of heaven with God the Father sitting on the throne until chapter 5 when the Messiah is given the kingdom. Notice that the coronation takes place and that John, the author of Revelation, actually was summoned by the trumpet to witness the event. Wow, the Scripture interprets Scripture. Isn't that the coolest thing? Remember what I said. Trumpet blast. John hears it, he's taken up, and he gets to see what's going to happen after the trumpet blast. Come on, somebody! This is cool. This is cool. Revelation 4, 1 and 2, let's read it. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be, what? Hereafter. Trumpet blast, taken up, doors open. Let me, let, let me let you in on it, right? Continuing on in Revelation 4, 1 and 2, let's read it. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. 
See, we got to get off the throne, folks. Some of you are on the throne. I don't know if you got a stomach ache or what's going on, but we got to put him on the throne. He's got to be on the throne. You got to get that picture in your mind. He's on the throne. Get off the throne. I looked up thrones in a picture category from Adobe Stock Photos, and it was, it was interesting, you know, and I got this picture. If you, if, if I put throne or thrones, and I wanted to get a nice throne. I got a, I got a crown, but it's funny. People were slouching in the throne. Like you knew they didn't belong there. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, you need, to, you need to just get out of there. You know, and, 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 you, and you watch some of these specials about the monarchy. People would just want to, well, yeah, there we go. We can have the throne and the crown. But people would go and sit in the king's seat or the queen's seat and get in trouble. Remember that? So, like, you're not supposed to be sitting there. Not even as a joke or just, oh, I'm just resting my feet. But, but anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. So I'm trying to break it down for you so you understand the, the progressive revelation of what's happening. Trumpet blast, he's before the throne. Okay? Let's look at Revelation 5, 11 through 13. Remember 5? And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Where did you hear that before? Daniel. Daniel, son. Daniel, son. Right? Wax on. Wax off. Daniel, son. Daniel, seven. Daniel 7, 9, and 10, to be exact. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. Isn't that the coolest thing? Continue with Revelation 5, 11, and 13. Let's read it. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Right? He's getting a position. Oh, I'm telling you, I hope he's your king. That's my king. Remember that? I love that video, don't you? My king. Now let's continue on. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that, what? Let's keep reading. Sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. is awesome. Listen, that's Revelation 5. You got a whole lot of chapters after that, don't you? So we're worried about this happening and that happening and this and the woman on the beast. And you know what? He's on the throne in Revelation 5. <laughs> right? Look at Psalm 2, verses 1 through 12. Many of the Psalms speak of the coronation of the Messiah. Many of the Psalms speak of the coronation of the Messiah. Are the, are the Psalms prophetic? Are they messianic? Was David like getting in the spirit and writing stuff down? Wasn't he? He was a prophet, a priest, and a king, King David, just like Yeshua. He's a prophet, a priest, and a king. And David was what? A type and shadow of the Messiah. He was the only king that was a prophet, right? And a priest. Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I love this. You ready? Let's read it. Why do the heathen rage? Come on, somebody. We don't have to say far left. 
and the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, what is it? Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Because they don't like that king. They don't like that government. It's not the new world order. Nimrod's not the middle name. See, they don't like the anointed one. That's why, like in the courthouse just recently, I guess, or, or county commissioners just some time ago, they had this big squabble about you can pray in God's name, but you can't pray in Jesus' name. Now, let me ask you something. What's the difference? A lot. Because we're supposed to pray in his name. Because if you, you could pray to God, but what God is it? But when you say Yeshua of Nazareth, I learned that from Pastor Henry Wright. Say Yeshua of Nazareth, because that's the only Yeshua from Nazareth. He's the only one. That's why you say Yeshua from Nazareth. You'll, you'll notice I pray like that. Because I'm not just making up some kind of Jesus, Jesus, some Jesus, you know. I'm, I'm telling you, he's, he's Yeshua from Nazareth. So I'm giving you a specific person. It gives you more authority. Start doing it. It's It's powerful. There's no, there's no misunderstanding. Look at Psalm 2.6. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. It doesn't matter what the heathens are doing and raging about. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's my king. Psalm chapter 2, verse 12. Look, look, look. Is this what you want to do for the king? Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. You know the thing that I've learned, that if Yeshua didn't have deity, if he was not God, he would have never let anybody worship at his feet. You'll never find one example where he says, no, don't do that. I'm not worthy of that. You'll never find it in the Gospels. Anybody that worshiped him or touched him, he allowed it. Because he's an intimate Jesus. He's an intimate Yeshua. He's intimate, Right? I mean, John and Yeshua had a bromance. They were buddies, man. John literally had his head in, in, in Yeshua's bosom. He was just leaning on him, just hanging out with him. He didn't say, get off me, John. Don't touch me. But where's our intimacy? Some of you don't like to be touched. Some of you don't like hugs and stuff or whatever. For whatever situation you've been through, I respect your space. But I'm saying that we are a very touchy-feely congregation for the most part but we do have to be careful with that. But think about it. Kiss the son. Why should you kiss the son? Because he's already kissed us. The psalmist is saying, kiss the son, folks. Yeah, I'll never forget Paul. He would be, pasta, how come we don't greet one another with a holy kiss? Pasta. I said, all right, you can kiss me. But he was right. But you know, you can't go around kissing everybody, though. Might call the cops. But I'm saying that some people don't know how to say, hey, man, get off me, man, you know. But as far as showing affection and stuff, uh, my dad's father didn't show a lot of affection. And so uh, my dad purposed to kiss us and hug us. I mean, I kissed my dad on the mouth. And uh, it's, it's a culture thing. But the thing is, like I said, I mean, it, it's how you're brought up. It's, it's how you look at it. But, but like I said, we serve an intimate God. You can't get more intimate than him. Matter of fact, the opposite of pornography, believe it or not, the opposite of pornography is prayer. Now, it don't stimulate you like pornography would, but I'm telling you right now, seriously, prayer is the opposite 
of pornography. Not to say that you can't pray and go into pornography, but I'll tell you right now, if you're a praying man or woman and you're really praying and you love prayer and you just get into it, I guarantee you, you don't struggle with pornography. Why? Because prayer will always give you intimacy. So the enemy tries to shut off that intimacy and prayer is boring. I don't want to hear prayer. I don't want to hear what he says back to me. All these excuses. That's why it's the least of the ministries. Hey, we're going to have a prayer meeting, you know, three people. Because your intimacy is with other stuff. Amen. I'm a man with passion. I got, I got to deal with stuff all the time, but I love coming to prayer on Monday mornings and just getting in here and, 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 and you got to get to the well and get the thing going. And, and I can just feel the intimacy though. Once I, once I immerse myself in it, I got to get all that other stuff off me. Just food for thought, food for thought. Look at uh, Psalm 47 verses one through nine. God is king. Let's look at, let's look at some of these verses here. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph, for the Lord most high is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. We clap for the king. Clapping is part of the king. It's part of the kingdom. You go, king. What was that? Uh, oh, clap your hands. All ye people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph, for the Lord most high is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people. You can't subdue them. Let them go crazy in Walmart. There's no water. Who took the one-gallon size bags? I'm just like, no big deal. I'm like, I can lean on this water shelf. I can relax. <laughs> Stretch out. Oh, thank you. People are going by. Just keep going, buddy. Ain't no water. Ain't no water. Right? There's no bread, there's no water, there's no batteries, and there ain't no ice. You know what I'm saying? I let my kids get in the cooler just to cool them down. They were like hot coming out of the parking lot. So y'all just go in there and just cool off. Look, look. He shall subdue the people. Keep reading. Under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us. The excellency of Jacob, whom he loved, Selah. Pause and think about that. Hmm. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. There's clapping. There's shouting, right? The shout of a trumpet. It's all about the king. <laughs> Keep reading. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. God reigneth over the heathen. That's a tough word. Ye heathens means nations. Ye heathen. You ever get called that? Ye heathen. Ye heathen. Get out of ye heathen. Acting like a heathen. It means nations. It's really not that bad. It just doesn't sound good. Wait, we're not done yet. Here we go. This is it. You ready? Go. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. The princes of the people are gathered together, even the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong unto God. He is greatly exalted. What are we told to put on? The shield of faith. So when you believe that he's the king, when you let him be your king, he, your, your shield expands. Your faith expands. I want my shield of faith to cover this whole congregation. All of you. I want to have so much faith that I'm believing for you and for Judah. 
not just me and my wife. Because what does the shield of faith do? It's able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. We speak to the storm, dissipate, go into the sea. How would God want us to pray? This is God's judgment. No, it's not. Shame on us. How should we pray? Do you want a heathen to have the hurricane on their house? No. So I say dissipate. Dissipate into the sea, you storm. Because we're being restored and we gathered. He can't destroy this place because he built it. I'm telling you this. We get wishy-washy. I don't know. I say dissipate. I say dissipate. Dissipate. Look at this. He is greatly exalted. What did John the Baptist do? He wasn't jockeying for me. He didn't care about Yeshua taking his place. He goes, you know what? It's time for me to decrease. It's time for him to increase. It's like with Beit Tehillah. We're going to decrease. Let Hayovel increase. Let Judah increase. We're going to decrease. Let, 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 let this all happen. Let these other things increase. And we'll support it. Amen? I love this story. You can go back and read it later. Joash is king in 2 Kings 11, verses 1 through 21. This is a type and shadow of Yeshua the Messiah. I'm going to do a Reader's Digest condensed version, not go over all the verses, but I want to just tell you the story through the scriptures. Here's 2 Kings 11, 3. And he was with her, hid in the house of the Lord six years, and Athaliah did reign over the land. Amen? So this hidden Judite was hiding, who had the scepter, was the heir, and he was hidden because Athaliah didn't find out about him, didn't kill him. Joash was hidden. Notice what it says. Does it say hid? He was hid for six years. Hid, like Jesus is hidden. Six years. A day is still as a thousand years. A thousand years is this one day, right? Athaliah was, was wicked. She was evil. 2 Kings 11, 4. Let's read it. And the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and fetched the rulers over hundreds with the captains and the guard and brought them to him into the house of the Lord and made a covenant with them and took an oath of them in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. He was part of the priesthood. Jehoiada was part of the priesthood. He showed him the son. We have a son. We have an heir. He was hidden. But he told the rulers and the captains of the guard, right? Showed him the king's son. They all made an oath. This is the king's son. We're going to defend him. We're going to exalt him. So look at 2 Kings eleven nine. 9. And the captains over the hundreds did according to all things that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And they took every man his men that were to come in on the Sabbath with them that should go out on the Sabbath and came Jehoiada the priest. Wow. He was hidden six years, then he's brought out in the seventh year. And notice the Sabbath. Are you keeping Sabbath? Okay, two of you. I'm just saying. This is an awesome story, I'm telling you. 2 Kings 11.10, let's read it. And to the captains over hundreds did the priests give King David spears and shields that were in the temple of the Lord. Remember, remember the shields? They come from God. Why? Because your faith is in him. He increases your shield. Notice what's been given out to these people. Shields. Why? Because they acknowledge the little boy is king. If you would just acknowledge Yeshua as the king, he'll give you a shield. The demons bounce off it. Because you acknowledge the king. You know the scepter. 
This is some of our problems, folks. We're trying to solve all of our problems. We're trying to figure it out. We're asking others. We're just acknowledge the king. One night with the king changes everything. Now, wait a minute. Let's read, let's read it. Look at, look at 2 Kings 11, 12 through 14. Let's read it. And he brought forth the king's son and put the crown upon him and gave him the testimony, and they made him king and anointed him, and they <laughs> clapped their hands. Where did we hear that before? In Psalm 47, 1. We clap for the king. Ladies and gentlemen, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. This is a round of applause. You ready? This is the round of applause. Look, and it said, God save the king. Now, get this picture. I'm telling you, you'll get free today. Free of this storm. Free of this trash. Sir, all this hoopla is over the king now, right? They're clapping and things are, he's getting worship. They're acknowledging this king. Now, let's look at the enemy. Poor Athaliah. Oh, no. Things didn't work out for her. Are we on 2 Kings 11, 12 through 14? Let's keep reading this. Let's, let's go. Let's read it. Heard the noise. Here we go. Heard the noise of the guard and of the people, because she heard this. She came to the people into the temple of the Lord, and when she looked, behold, the king stood by a pillar, as the manner was, and the, keep reading, princes and the trumpeters by the king and all the people of the land rejoiced and blew with trumpets, and Athaliah read her clothes and cried, treason, treason. I was ahead of the poles. I was supposed to win. You don't think this stuff plays out? I, I, I'm, I'm just telling you. History repeats itself, baby. You thought you had it in the bag, right? That's it. I'm going to write a memoir. I'm just saying. Treason, treason. What do you mean treason, treason? You're not even supposed to be in that authority. 2 Kings eleven twenty one. Seven years old was Jehoash when he began to reign. So if you look at 57, 78, that's coming up. We're closer to the 6,000-year mark than we know, amen? Isn't that a great story? Wow. Completion. Completion. Now, we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know the exact time or, or how close we are to 6,000. They're saying 5778, but I did my own little study, and really we're closer to the 6,000 mark, but because of a technicality, they didn't want to count those years. But you can feel it in your spirit. Something's happening. Six days of creation, seventh day's rest. We're doing the Sabbath, and, oh, rest is coming. Amen? Look at Isaiah 27, 13. Let's read it. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria and the outcasts in the land of Egypt and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. Trumpets about gathering people. Even in the storm, we blew the trumpets today, right? Because God's gathering us. We're the outcasts. The church wouldn't have you. Thank you very much. Hi. I'll be your host for the next few years. 
Look at Zechariah 9.14. Let's read it. And the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as the lightning, and the Lord God shall blow the trumpet and shall go with the whirlwinds of the south. Well, I got to do my wind impersonation. So we get all worked up over wind like it's an enemy. No, the wind is God. Breath of life. Jesus breathed on people. They were healed. Breath is wind. Did you know that? When you say that Irma's the biggest hurricane ever and it's swirling, the Lord was showing me, this is his glory. He's displaying it. Are there casualties in the glory of God? You better believe there's casualties in the glory of God. That demon cannot swirl up, up, up that Irma. There's no way. That thing is huge. It's bigger than the state of Florida, folks. Why? Because God is big. And he's got to do something big to get our attention. What goes through people's minds when you see something like that? Or you experience something? You've got you to be humbled. In Zechariah 9, 14, did God not blow the trumpet in Exodus 19? He's going to blow it again, folks. So we're just tooting our little horns down here. We're just calling on the big horn. Big daddy, blow the horn. And it's funny how Mike is playing the trumpet. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Let's look at Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. We're closing it out here. Come on, somebody. For unto us a child is born. Oh, look, there's baby Jesus. But unto us a son is given. Oh, a son is giving. Why we need the son of God. But look at this. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. He's going to grow up to be the man. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. <laughs> baby Jesus. No, no, no. Ain't no baby Jesus. Let's keep reading. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So what do we do? We send somebody to Washington. A Yom Teruah. So we blew in President Trump. It's Yom Teruah in the government, right? Finishing it up here. I just scratched the surface, everybody. This is just like the Reader's Digest condensed version of Yom Teruah and the coronation. This is just a small version. There's a lot more. Let's read Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16. How about the King of Kings? Right? Revelation 19, 11. Let's read it. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, not a donkey, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Have you ever noticed in our culture, we can't find anything that's faithful and true? How many people have been just hurt by others or hurt by the system or the government or your job or whatever it is? You just can't say that they are true or they are faithful. How many of you know it's hard? So what happens? We get the spirit of rejection. and Then we don't trust anybody. And then we're like, Yeshua just really wants to come into my life. But he's what? He's faithful. He's true. That should propel us to him. Amen? 
He's sitting on the horse, and let's read Revelation 19, 15. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Listen, he even tells you when this is going to happen. It's during the vintage, if I'm not mistaken, Hayovel. They helped to produce and harvest over 100 tons of grapes. 100 tons. What happens? The grapes go into the vintage, the winepress. So think about those seven people that are doing the vineyard how the king is going to look at them when it comes time to do the wine press. Listen. Whenever there's the king, remember, remember, remember whenever you acknowledge the king or a kingdom, what, what happens? Judgment. So if we're talking about the king, we're, we're talking about judgment. Because why? The king is in the field. He's making his way to the throne. So that he can judge. I mean, in Revelation, the souls of the saints cry out from under the altar, when are you going to avenge us? We were killed for you. We died for you. When are you going to avenge us? See, revenge is mine, saith the Lord. Jesus is the avenger. He doesn't need the incredible Hulk or Superman. Last verse, Revelation 19, 16. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Wow. That's my king. That's my king. I want to close it out with a picture of challah bread shaped like a crown. You know, if you go to Publix, they'll make these for you. I don't know if Dina's doing the, the, the crown challah, but I think she's doing the, uh, what's that? She can do crown challah bread. When I saw this, I freaked out. I was like, what? I heard about Crown Holla. So I went to Publix, I think, last year. Do you guys remember when I passed out the Crown Holla? And, and they, they make, no, I don't know, hopefully they'll do it this year, but you put your order in, but you can get Crown Holla. It's shaped like a crown. Come on, somebody. I never even knew this. The Crown Holla, right? A little butter. Oh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> So, Father, we want to thank you for this beautiful time together. Thank you for calming the storm. We command it to dissipate. Perfect love casts out fear, Father. We are prepared. We have our, our necessities. We have the things that we need, and we just believe that we will hear from you if we need to evacuate or do this or do that. Whatever it is, Father, that, that you've put on our heart to do, that we'd humble ourselves in preparation because the bride's preparing herself. So, Father, if you wish to uh, have us to go here or there or hunker down or even try to exit the state, whatever you have for us, that's fine. But, but we trust you, Father. You will keep us safe. You brought us this far. You'll, you'll bring us the rest of the way. If you bring us to it, you will bring us through it. We thank you for this door of hope, this door of opportunity. We thank you for the, uh, the adversaries there. We recognize it, that it's not going to come easy, that we do have an enemy. But, but uh, we say, get thee behind me, Satan. And uh, we submit ourselves to you. And... Uh, uh, he, will, he will, of course, have to uh, resist us and flee. And we thank you for that. Thank you for everybody here, Father. Thank you for safety. Thank you for revelation knowledge of you. Thank you for this great move of, of you, Father, that as you shake the heavens and the earth, uh, the dry land and the sea, that, that things are happening. And you're, you've got our attention. Father, Beit Hill belongs to you. Unless you build this house, we labor in vain. 
So once again, I, I just pray safety and just peace over everyone in Yeshua's name. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone.